Would you welcome Brother Nick Mahaney as he comes today. We love him and his family. We want him to take his liberty today. Welcome him to Salem again. Let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Come on, he alone is worthy. It's all about him. He alone is worthy. Victory has a name. Come on, it's Jesus. Come on, at the name of Jesus, every knee in heaven and every knee on earth and every knee under the earth is going to bow down before him. Hallelujah. What an honor it is to be here. I know somebody will hear this, but that's all right. This is my favorite place to preach anywhere in the world. And I know there's a bunch of hungry folks because I know y'all. And I may be the hungriest of all of us. God bless the Colonel Sanders. If anybody goes to heaven, the Colonel will be there. We know he's going to make it. What an honor it is to be here. Second Chronicles 33 and 9. I know it's not going to start out like I'm preaching an Easter message. But... And I'll try not to be very long. My wife called me the first thing this morning and said, don't be long-winded. I said, man, I appreciate the voice of encouragement in my life that you are. What a great pastor and family. Come on. There's no better preacher in Pentecost than in Calvin Jean. Except maybe his wife. <laughs> bad news is I about preached everything I know here <laughs> so I'm going to be studying for a long time this next couple weeks because I can't preach his because y'all have already heard him 2nd Chronicles 33 and 9 so Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err and to do worse than the heathen whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel and the Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people, but they would not hearken. Wherefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the host of the king of Assyria, which took Manasseh among the thorns and bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed unto him. And he was entreated of him and heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. Now after this, he built a wall without the city of David on the west side of Gihon in the valley, even to the entering in at the fish gate and compassed about Ophel and raised it up a very great height and put captains of war in all the fenced cities. 
and took away the strange gods and the idol out of the house of the Lord and all the altars that he had built in the mount of the house of the Lord and in Jerusalem he cast them out of the city and he repaired the altar of the Lord and sacrificed thereon peace offerings and thank offerings and commanded Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. And I'm going to preach just for a little while on the ministry of the thorns. Somebody in this place, your battle's about to end today. Come on. Somebody in this place, your turmoil and your strife is about to end today. Come on, somebody today, your affliction that you've been suffering with, whether it be addiction or whether it be a sickness in your body, is about to come to an end today. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Lord, I'm asking you that that anointing that you've placed on me, let it begin to flow out right now in the name of Jesus. God, I've been praying for your people, Lord, because it's not about me. It's all about you and your people, God. I'm asking you to move upon us, Lord. We need you today. Turn our ear to your voice, God. Turn our hearts towards your heart, Lord. In Jesus' name, God. Let the gifts of the Spirit begin to operate right now in Jesus' name. Lord, let let the gift of faith begin to rise up in this place. Let the gift of miracles happen and healings happen in this place right now. Everybody say, in Jesus' name, you may be seated. Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign over Judah. And the Bible tells us that Ahaz didn't walk in the ways of the Lord and he worshiped Baal. And Ahaz burned his children in the fire to Molech. And in his reign of 16 years, Ahaz tries to do everything he can to bring Judah as far from God as he could. In 2 Chronicles 28, 24, it says, And Ahaz gathered together the vessels of the house of God and cut in pieces the vessels of the house of God and shut up the doors of the house of the Lord. And he made him altars in every corner of Jerusalem. And in every several city of Judah he made high places to burn incense unto other gods and provoked to anger the Lord God of his father. So Ahaz dies and after his death, his son Hezekiah, who has somehow escaped the fires of Molech and being sacrificed, becomes the king at the age of 25. Hezekiah is the 13th successor of of King David of Jerusalem. And in the very first month, King Hezekiah opens up the doors of the temples and he begins to repair them and he begins to cleanse the temple and he begins to sanctify it and offer up sacrifices. Ahaz begins to restore the worship of the temple. Come on, we're going to restore some things in the next couple weeks. Then the priests, they come in and they make a sin offering and they make reconciliation with the blood and they make an atonement for Israel. So Ahaz brings in the musicians. He brings in the singers and the offerings and they begin to sing unto the Lord. After many years of sin, after many years of backsliding against the Lord, the people of Judah have been called back by their leader, the king, to the things of God and to the temple. They destroy the gods. 
than the graven images. And they come back to their original place of service and their original place of worship through to the one true God. After all these things and after all the good that they had done, then the enemy comes against them. Come on, I want to tell somebody, just because you're doing everything right, just because you're paying your tithes, just because you're giving in the offering, just because you're at the church every time the doors are open, doesn't mean that the enemy is not going to come against you. Come on, the more that you do right, the more that the enemy is going to come against you. God just wants to see what you do with your temple. God wants to know what you've done with the things that have trying to come against you. God wants to see how strong you're going to be. So the Assyrians come against them. And when they do, God sends one angel and destroys the Assyrians and they leave Judah. Now on his deathbed, Hezekiah cries out to God and God grants him 15 more years. Then after his death, his son Manasseh, who I just read about, is only 12 years old and he begins to reign. Second Chronicles 33 and 1. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem. But did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Like unto the abominations of the heathen. Whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he built again the high places which Hezekiah his father had broken up, broken down and reared up, altars for Balaam, and made groves and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. Also he built altars in the house of the Lord, whereof the Lord had said in Jerusalem, shall my name be forever. And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he caused his children to pass through the fire, in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Also he observed times and used enchantments and used witchcraft and dealt with a familiar spirit and with wizards. He wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. And he set a carved image, the idol, which he had made in the house of God, of which God had said to David and to Solomon his son, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen before all the tribes of Israel will I put my name forever. Neither will I any more remove the foot of Israel from out of the land which I have appointed for your fathers, so that they will take heed to do all that I have commanded them, according to the whole law and the statutes and the ordinances by the hand of Moses. So Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err and to do worse than the heathen whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. Manasseh is known as one of the worst kings in the Old Testament, burning his children to a false god named Molech. He takes and he uses sorcery and enchantments and witchcraft and familiar spirits. Come on, I rebuke every devil. Come on, I'm not afraid of every evil force. I'm not afraid of every evil spirit because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Come on, I'm not afraid of anything that he can throw at me. 
Come on, because the Lord says no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Greater is he. Greater is he. I had dominion over him. I have placed him under my foot with authority. Come on, Salem. We're here to bind the strong man of this town. We're here to let him know it's over. He has fallen because the people of the name of God has taken dominion. God tries to speak to him. God tries to intervene, but it falls on deaf ears. So the king and his people refuse to hear the voice of God. So the Lord sends the Assyrians one more time and they attack his kingdom. They take the king and they bind him. And they take him to Babylon. There, as we read, he is bound with fetters and placed in the thorns. But in his affliction, amongst the thorns, he cries out to God. He prays and he humbles himself before God. God hears his cries of repentance and delivers him and brings him back home to Jerusalem. This man who was so evil, this man who was so corrupt that he has sacrificed his children in the fire, this man, instead of relying on God, has relied on witches and enchantments. When finally God sends an enemy against him, this king, known as one of the worst kings in the Old Testament, when he finally finds himself at the end of his rope with no hope, nowhere to turn, he cries out to God from among the thorns, and he goes back to Jerusalem because God hears him in his affliction while he's in the thorns crying out to him. God pulls him out. God saves him. And he goes back and he destroys the idols. He destroys the groves. He repairs the altars. And he makes sacrifice. Because I'm here to tell somebody in this place. There's a ministry in the thorns. In your affliction. God can cry out to you. And you can cry out to God. In the ministry of the thorns. In your pain. He can pull you back up to your feet. You may be at a place in your life where it seems like you've done nothing but wrong in your life. Sin after sin. Trial after trial. Where everything for your whole life has been all about you. And there's nothing about God. Now here you walked in here this morning. Finally at the lowest point that you've ever been in your life. You are bound up by the thorns. But God sent me to tell you that there's a ministry in the thorns. In the thorns, you have no place that you can go. In the thorns, there's nowhere for you to turn. In the thorns, everyone else is through with you. In the thorns is misery and shame. In the thorns is nothing but pain. But he is just waiting on you to humble yourself and cry out to him in your sin and cry out to him in your misery and he will minister to you and he'll bring you out of the thorns. 
Come on, he'll set your feet on solid ground. He'll deliver you and you can come back and you can destroy the idols. You can destroy the sins. You can destroy the addiction. You can destroy the bondage. Man and woman are in an absolute paradise, Adam and Eve. Everything's at their disposal. She's enticed and lured by the devil, thinking that they can do it their way. And they eat of the fruit of the tree that they have been commanded not to touch. For that brief moment in their lives, thinking they don't have to do it God's way, but they can do it their way. And they are banished from their paradise. Genesis 3 and 13, And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this thou thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, and upon thy belly shalt thou go. And thus thou shalt eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. That's a whole other sermon. And it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children And thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. And sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat the herb of the field. Banish to the thorns and the thistles to work the land. They have two sons in travail, Cain and Abel. But jealousy immediately begins to enter. And envy comes up on Cain because God doesn't accept his sacrifice. And he's jealous because God accepts Abel's more excellent sacrifice. In anger, Cain kills his brother. Now Adam and Eve not only feel the sting of death, but they can taste the thorns and the thistles with that death and the broken heart of total destruction of their family all because of their sin. They find themselves in such an awful place. But I want you to know that somewhere in this place of sorrow and heartache, somewhere in this place of thistles and thorns, Adam and Eve find a place where they once again learn how to touch God because they bear a son named Seth. And she said, because God has appointed me another seed to take the place of Abel. Seth has a son named Enos. And the Bible tells us this is when men begin calling on the name of the Lord, even though everything had gone wrong and Adam and Eve had disobeyed God and were cast into the thorns. It may have looked like it was over, but in their pain and in their suffering, God raised up another generation in the midst of the thorns 
that would learn to call on his name. Sometimes the thorns are for a remembrance. Saul was a persecutor of the church going and seeking out followers of Jesus to arrest and persecute. Doing and committing horrible things to these people of God. Watching the coats cheering on the killers of stealing, making threats to slaughter the followers of Jesus. He goes on a journey to find them and persecute them. But on his way to Damascus, a light from heaven shines all around him. He falls to the ground and he hears a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He says, Lord, what do you want me to do? So God instructs him to go into the city. He rises up from the ground totally blind, led into the city. He begins praying in his midst of his thorns, in the midst of his trial. God shows Ananias where Saul is waiting blind and praying. Once a man of authority, once a man of power, now broken in the thorns, Ananias lays his hands on him. He receives his sight and is filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately, scales fall from his eyes. He arises and is baptized. No wonder, suffering from poor eyesight the rest of his life. He never forgot the ministry of the thorns. He even talks about it, the thorn in his flesh. 2 Corinthians 12, 6, For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me, and he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glorify in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Come on, Paul realized, even though it hurts, and even though at times it's lonely, even when it doesn't seem like I can make it another day, that I'm able to look back at the pain. I'm able to look back at the suffering of the thorns. And remember, this is where my life was changed. Paul knew that if he was weak, Jesus was going to make him strong because he knew that God's grace was efficient. Raised in a preacher's home. I was raised up in a good home. All good and godly things of this world I was taught. Not subjected to abuse or abandonment. I was loved 
and I was cared for growing up. But my sin nature was always trying to find a way to overcome me. I tasted addiction at a young age with nicotine, stealing one of my uncle's Marlboro cigarettes and smoking it at like eight years old. It was a step that showed me the lock and put a key in my hand to addiction. By the time I was nine and 10, I had taken that lock, that key, and put it in the lock of the door and turned the key as I tasted alcohol for the first time. Smoking weed by the time I was 12. I was an alcoholic at the age of 18. Addicted to crack cocaine by the age of 18. Before I was 19, I was already putting needles, U100 insulin syringes in my veins, shooting up drugs. Violence and crime became my way of life. I hated God. I hated the church. I turned to devil worship. I turned to tarot cards. I turned to seances and the occult. Anything to try to block out Anything that was good, I wanted to turn away from it. Cooking meth, living in the deepest depths of sin, bound up and arrested, charged with 12 felonies. Here I was, I found myself deep in the affliction of the thorns. They told me you're gonna go to life in prison. You're never gonna get out of prison again. Here I was, tangled up in the thorns. It didn't matter if I went left, the thorns had me. Right, the thorns had me. I couldn't go forward because the thorns had me. I couldn't go back because the thorns had me. But I cried out to God in my affliction, in my pain, in my despair. God heard my cry. I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Not the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Nobody's ever been baptized in the Bible in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Baptized in the name of Jesus. Filled with the Holy Ghost. He heard my cry and he began to minister to me in my affliction of the thorns. Psalm 119.65 Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. I want somebody to know it was in my affliction where God began to speak to me. I don't care how deep in the thorns you are when you walked in here. You need to be thankful because it's in your affliction is when he comes to minister to you. It's in your pain when he shows you who you really are. It's in your suffering when he begins to move upon you. (laughs) 
So the thorns aren't just for the sinner. Sometimes they're for the saint. Sometimes they're for that faithful man of God that goes to work, toils in the factory, comes to church with those calloused hands, raising them before God. And when he leaves, affliction is on him. But he's faithful and he still comes back to the house of God. Even though the thorns have been pulling at him, even though his family is going trying to go one way, it's in his affliction that God begins to move. Praise God. With angry shouts, torches and swords, soldiers from the Sanhedrin court, they are led through the Garden of Gethsemane by one of his disciples. There they find Jesus in the throes of pain and agony. And he is seen crying out, Father, let this cup pass from me. He's sweating as great, like great drops of blood falling to the ground off his face. He cries out, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine. Because he looked in that cup and he's seen me in that battle in the thorns. He's seen you tied up and bound by the thorns with his followers running and fleeing. He is bound and led to the Sanhedrin court. There he is tried by his peers for heresy and blasphemy. Found guilty by 70 men and it's their custom. They line up one at a time and they spit in his face and they slap him 70 times. Bound again and led away to prison. Unspeakable things happened to him that night that's not even recorded because he would have never said that he's been through all the suffering that we have been through if he hadn't have been through it. Bound, he is led away to prison. The next morning, taken to the governor, Pontius Pilate, where his life is traded for a murderer named Barabbas, led behind Pilate's hall to a massive courtyard. He is now stripped naked in front of this massive crowd come to watch him. Naked in front of his peers, naked in front of his family. Grabbing his left wrist, they shackle him to a tall pillar in the middle of the courtyard. They stretch him until they can finally get him tied to the right side. He's hanging there with his feet, barely touching the ground. And they take and they tie one ankle to the left side and one to the right. The soldiers that are all gathered around him, they have been trained to do anything and everything it takes to torture somebody. This is their specialty. This is what they do every day. What they would do, they would take a long oxhide whip that's about six foot long, real slender, where it hit the flesh, but it wouldn't tear the flesh. It would soften it up and make it supple. They would put one on the left, one on the right, and they would lay that whip across his back. Angry red whelps begin to raise up on his skin as he grips and he screams out in agony and pain. And they beat him for 10 to 15 minutes until they're out of breath. Two more soldiers walk up to take their place. They're holding a flagrum. It's a long wooden handle with strips of leather embedded with sheep bone and glass and wire and ball bearings. This whip 
was designed because of the ball bearings to cause deep tissue bruising and because of the wires in the glass to rip the flesh from his body. They lay that whip across his back and it hangs in his flesh and they tear it loose. He screams out in agony as a red mist of blood showers through the air and great red drops of blood begin to fall and they begin to beat him as fast as they can tearing his flesh from his body, from his shoulders, down to his feet, beating him. Thick red blood is pouring out of his body. They have to cut a trench around the post so the blood would channel out or they would slip and fall. But I want you to know he wasn't beat so we could be saved. The cross was for our salvation. He was beat because he knew that as well as a savior that you was gonna need a healer. So he was beat for our healing. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him with his stripes. We are healed. Come on, if you came in here bound, the price has already been paid. They cut him loose and he just falls to the ground in a crumpled heap. He begins to throw up and wretch because the pain is so severe. His head is spinning because he's going in and out of consciousness because he's going into shock. Rough hands jerking to his feet, laughing at him, spitting on him. Matthew 27 and 28. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and knocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Mark 15, 17. And they clothed him with purple and plaited a crown of thorns and put it about his head and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him on the head with the reed and did spit upon him and bowing their knees, worshiped him. John 19, 1. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus, scourged him, and the soldiers planted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands, carrying his cross to Golgotha with the angry shouts and with the curses, with people pulling handfuls of his beard out, people laughing at him, people mocking him, curses of the people that he was dying for, ringing in his ears, tied to a cross member. They would bind his right bicep first and then his right forearm. Then they would take a rope and stretch his left one, dislocating his shoulder or his elbow, tying his left bicep and his left forearm to the cross. Then a soldier would walk up, stomping on his hand, and his, and his hand would open up, and they'd take a seven-inch spike, drive it into his hands. And that's why they had to tie him, because he would jerk and spasm because of all the nerves that end in your hands, flopping on the ground with the blood, flying, screaming in agony. They'd drive another nail through his other hand. Then they would take and bend his knees. It wasn't like you see in the pictures where his feet are on a platform and the nail in them. What they would do would bend your right leg and they'd take the point of that nail and they'd put it at your heel and drive it in through the Achilles tendon. 
it would burst and rupture and you'd scream out in pain. They would bend the other knee and put the point of that nail and drive it into the cross. He hangs there with the stench and the smell of blood, sweat running into his eyes, fighting the pain and fighting the thirst. In agony, he hangs on this cruel cross of redemption and he purchases your salvation with the crimson gash of his blood. Finally, he says, it is finished. He gave up the ghost. The veil of the temple was tore from the top to the bottom because when he said it was finished, the Spirit of God burst out of that room because no longer was bulls going to be needed. No longer was there going to be goats, lambs, or turtle doves. But now it was going to be the blood of the true Lamb of God sacrificed for our sin through his affliction through his thorns there was a ministry of the thorns that brought us our salvation Colossians 2.12 buried with him in baptism you have to be baptized to be saved there is no way around it buried with him in baptism wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him having forgiven you all trespasses blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us which was contrary to us and he took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Having spoiled principalities, powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. Come on, when he went to that cross, he didn't go with his head bowed. When he went to that cross, it was lifted back with joy because he knew there was going to be a drug addict named Nick Mahaney knelt down on his knees in a drug rehab. He said, I'm not afraid. I'm happy. I'll go through my affliction. I'll go through the ministry of the thorns. But he didn't stay in the grave. Come on, he didn't stay in the grave. Three days later, he rose again. He was victorious over death. Come on, he was victorious over the grave. He rose up and he became the living Savior for all the world to see. That same Jesus is in this place today. That same Jesus that rose from the grave 2,000 years ago is here today. From the very moment they sung the first song, he's been here. Come on, he's been walking up and down these aisles. He's been knocking on your heart's door. 
He just wants you to let him in because he's seen the thorns that you're afflicted in. So he said, I'll bear the thorns. I'll bear your affliction. Come on, maybe you've been running away from God. Maybe it's been a while since you spoke in tongues or felt his presence. Or maybe you've never received the Holy Ghost before. He is in this place to baptize you with his spirit. Let's all stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I have been in affliction in my sin. When I thought that I had done way too many things wrong that God did not want me anymore. I had cursed God. I had done evil and despicable and unspeakable acts. An evil, violent man. But I found myself surrounded by thorns of affliction. And he heard my voice when I cried out to him. Now, I want, to, I want you to hear me. That was March of 2004. And since that time, as I've been walking with him, I have felt those same thorns of affliction bound up around me. In a three-year period, I lost my dad. I lost my sister. And I lost my grandson. It seemed like I couldn't move. There was nights I would lay there and couldn't breathe because I was bound by my affliction. But in my affliction, he heard my cry. And he pulled me out of that trial when I didn't think I could make it another day. I'd like to say that was the last time I found myself bound like that. But it's not. Come on, the Holy Ghost is speaking to me. You looked the part, you dressed the part. Come on. But you're so bound up in the thorns right now. You've never felt so far away from God in your life. And that's a trick of the enemy because you've never been closer to him than you are in your affliction. He is just waiting on you. Just as he's drawing right now for the unchurched to the unsaved. He's also drawing for his people. See, the devil has cast a lie on us. Well, if I go down there and pray, they're going to think I've done something wrong. So our pride gets in the way. And we never get ministered to in the thorns. Come on, intercessors. Come on, there's a spirit of conviction trying to fall. Come on, if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name in this place, or you've never received the Holy Ghost, come on, you're fighting addiction. I don't care if it's pornography. I don't care what kind of addiction it is, if it's drugs, if it's alcohol. Come on, he's here right now. He wants to meet you at this altar. Come on, the tears are flowing, so step out and act in faith. Come on, ma'am. There was no accident that you came in here. Come on, it's been a long time since you felt what you used to feel as a child. Come on, I'm talking to a lady right now in the name of Jesus. This is your moment. This is your chance. Come on, you have run from God. You have strayed from God. And your pride is keeping you from getting back to where you know you need to be with God. Come on, you need to step out in your affliction. Come on, sir. Don't sit through another service. 
Come on, this service was just for you. Come on, come on, come to the altar. Come on, don't be afraid. Fear is just a fear is just an attack from the enemy to keep you bound. Fear is trying to keep you from being whole. Fear is trying to keep you embedded in the thorns. Come on, this ain't it. Come on, I, I appreciate our young people. They're so on fire. But come on, some of you pillars need to get up out of your seat. Come on, you're acting like that you don't, don't, haven't been through anything. When you're the one that's so bound that you can't move, come on, begin to step out. This is your time. This is your moment. Come on, elders, find somebody. Ask them to come pray with you. Come on, ask them to move in your affliction. Come on, that's it. Move. Come on, be led by the Holy Ghost. Come on, if you feel him pulling at you, this may be your last opportunity. Come on, your mind, your body racked with pain. Come on, it just seems like every day's a struggle to stay clean. Every day's a struggle to not smoke something else or not put another needle in your arm. Every day's a struggle not to put a whiskey bottle to your lips because you've been in the thorns. Come on, I'm here to tell you that there's a ministry right now in your thorns. Come on, cry out to him. This is your chance. Please don't leave. Come on, I'm begging you to find your place with God. Come on, I'm begging you to repent. I'm begging you to ask God to forgive you of your sins. Come on, that's all you got to start with. Don't worry about anything else. Just lift your hands and say, God, forgive me. Lord, I've been a sinner. Forgive me, oh God. Come on, this is your opportunity service is just for you. Prayer warriors, I need you down here helping us in the altar. Come on, begin to move out. Do what God's called you to do. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover.
opportunity. He wants to welcome you back. He wants to pull you out of your distress. He wants to pull you out of your affliction. you to see me. Everybody in this building, if you want to receive something from God, you want the Holy Ghost, you need a healing in your body, here's what I want us to do. You see, John said there comes one after me who's going to baptize you with Holy Ghost and with fire. That Holy Ghost and fire is in this building right now. Come on, I, this is how, the same spirit I've been feeling all over the world is right here, right now. If you're bound, if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, you can't leave today without being baptized in Jesus' name. I'm just going to tell you, that is, that is a commandment. I want everybody in this place to lift your hands. God wants to hear our voices. I want you to begin to repent. Come on, tell God, God, forgive me in my sins. Come on, I can't repent for you, or if I could, I would. But he needs to hear you, Lord, forgive me of my sins. God, I've been going places I shouldn't go. Come on. God, I've been saying things that I shouldn't say. God, I've been watching things and listening to things that I shouldn't listen to. God, I've been doing things that I know that you're not pleased with. Come on now, I want you to say, Jesus, come on, talk to him. I want you to forgive me of my sins. Come on, tell him, I want you to forgive me of my sins. And not only forgive me, but I want to live for you. Talk to him. Come on, from this day forward, I want to live for you, Jesus. I'm going to speak faith. And when I do, I want us to begin to praise him. I want you to shout his name as loud as you can shout his name. I want you to begin to praise him for everything that he's done. And you're going to feel something rise up inside of you. You're going to begin to speak in another language that you've never spoken before. Come on, by the authority of the word of God and by the power that's in the name of Jesus, God baptized us with Holy Ghost and fire. 
Come on, I speak the word of faith right now. Come on, shout his name. Come on, hallelujah. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, I speak against infirmities. I speak against depression. I speak against sickness. I speak against addiction. Come on, as they begin to sing. Come on, praise him. Come on, praise him. Hallelujah. one more thing I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want us I want you to ask them have you been baptized in the name of Jesus come on ask them have you been baptized in Jesus name come on if you haven't been baptized in Jesus name you need to say no I would like to be baptized in Jesus name come on have you been baptized in Jesus come on here's one going to be baptized Come on, anybody else? Come on. You've never been baptized in Jesus' name. Today is your day to be baptized. Come on, what are you waiting on? Come on, here's another one who wants to be baptized in Jesus' name. Come on, Peter said repent and be baptized. I'm commanding you in the, right by the authority of the Word of God to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Come on, there's more that wants to be baptized. Come on, lift your hands if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name. As they begin to sing, Find somebody.